continuing in Deuteronomy here, but uh, as I mentioned, we're going to kind of derail uh, our, the purpose of our study in Deuteronomy is just because it is so significant in its place in the New Testament. As they refer back to the law and the prophets, oftentimes we will find in the New Testament Deuteronomy itself being quoted uh, over there. Uh, and so it's like, okay, what, what's, what's here for us? And really how is it relevant to us? And we're really going to see the relevance today as the writer of Hebrews looks back to this very time as he exhorts the Christians uh, of the New Testament era with essentially uh, the moment that we are getting to here today. I should have probably actually call up my notes. Just crazy. Um, in, last week we were looking at the passages preceding here where we are in chapter 5 where uh, we saw uh, God as a God like no other. Uh, the creator God. Uh, there is no God who has done what our God has done. That he would redeem a people from inside another people. Uh, pull them out. And what a miracle that was. As we edged into chapter 5, we see Moses summoning all Israel where he exhorts them to hear, to learn, and to do what God has commanded them. And he's preparing them again for a rehearing of the law. And so that's kind of where we're going to pick up here uh, in chapter 5. And briefly, we will read... Uh, uh, verses 2 through 5, talk about them a bit, and then we're going to go over to, into Hebrews chapter 3. So Sarah, would you uh, read 2 through 5 there, please? The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, while I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up into the mountain. Okay. What's a covenant? I made a covenant with you. You, not, not just your parents. You. I made a covenant with you. Okay, it's a, it's a promise. Okay, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, we're, we're amping it up a little bit. Is it one-sided or two-sided? It could be both. Normally, it's two-sided. Normally, it's two-sided. Yeah, but when he made the covenant, when God made the covenant with Abraham and put him to sleep, that was just God. Yes. It was, absolutely. So, uh, at work, we always say the fighter pilot answer to any question is, it depends. Um, so it could be it could be a two way covenant. If it if it's a two way covenant, who's responsible? Both parties are responsible. You do this, I'll do this. You go uh huh, I go uh huh, and we're good. Now, if anybody breaks that covenant, really, you can you can nullify the covenant. What's a very common covenant between two people? Okay, yeah, the other one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, and that does, and that does. And, and God 
provides a provision for nullifying that covenant, and the provision is what? Adultery. Adultery. See, somebody didn't uphold their side of the bargain in that, to love, honor, and obey till death do us part kind of deal. So there, there's a two-way covenant. So God has, God's saying, I make it, made a covenant with you. Well, first of all, did God make a covenant with them to bring them out of Egypt? Through the lineage. That's uh, one man's sin, okay. and then it passed on. Oh, that's brilliant, because I said no. Yes. Okay. So if we go all the way back to Abraham, he already, he told Abraham, your your descendants are going to be in bondage for four hundred years, and then I'm going to bring them out. So he said that. So there is a, there is that promise. I hadn't even thought of that. But with them, did he say, okay, if you guys are really good, I'll bring you out of Egypt? No. No, he didn't. So as far as it depended on them, what role did did, did they play in this? Nothing, nothing. They, they did nothing. Um, so, he's, he's fine, Taylor. Huh? He squeaks, that's good. No, I'm just making him a bottle. Good. Um, they did nothing. So, in some sense, God redeemed this people already. He set them apart already. And now he is going to make a covenant with them. Okay. We talked about this before. Was all Israel Israel? No. 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 And we see this play out throughout Scripture. Okay. Um, all we do know that all we'll say all of these guys were brought out of Egypt. How many of them saw the magnificence and the glory and the splendor and the wonder of God? All of them. All of them did. I mean, they were all part of the plagues. They all they went to sea, and through they went. Okay, there may, might be some young ones who didn't, but we're told by their parents now uh, ultimately what happened. Did all bow the knee to the living God? No, they didn't. What are, what are some of the things Israel did? They complained a lot. They, man. Seems like they're always complaining. A little bit. Yeah. It's like a bad sitcom, you know. We're going to run the same joke over and over, and you turn around, and these are always griping, always complaining about something. What else did Israel do? Yeah, there's that calf thing. What else? The, it, there was a part where they were traveling. They started mixing with other tribes' mm. lives. Yeah, there's that. Korah's Rebellion was before this as well. Yeah, there's that. He's not trusting God a couple, a couple chapters ago. Okay. Spies? Yeah. Yeah, there's that. And even Moses himself, the leader of the whole group. Mm. He takes it upon himself not to obey what they're doing. Yeah, there's that. He blames everybody else. Yeah. 
This woman you gave me. What about Miriam? Yeah. Why? Jealousy. Jealousy. They were jealous of Moses. So how, how's Israel doing so far? Yeah. yeah, no, not so good. And still, and still God lavishes grace upon them. But not all Israel is Israel. This is, we're going to get into this analogy here. These are ten guilty men. Okay, they are all guilty. What if a king... And let's say they're all, they're all sentenced to death. Okay? And a king, for his good pleasure, decides to absolve six of them. And still puts four to death. Is he just? Excellent question. Excellent question. Is he just in putting the four to death? Absolutely. Absolutely. What do the four have any right to go? What about us? We deserve. No, you don't. You deserve death. Important. Important to understand. So. We have these, these four, they're just, they're, they're off to execution. And they want nothing to do with the king. They're like, fine, I don't care. The king's a jerk. Okay? <laughs> Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. In Hebrews chapter 3, we're not, we're not, we're probably not going to, I say that and then I probably will. Um. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 3 echoes Psalm 95. Okay, it quotes Psalm 95, which references back to this event. You know, if you start reading it, you're going to start singing, Come let us worship and bow down, because that's how the psalm starts out. But it goes on to quote a lot of what we are about to read here. Okay, and what we are going to see is the writer of Hebrews is referencing back to this rebellion. Caleb, would you read chapter, chapter, verse 1, please? Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Okay, who is the writer of Hebrews writing to? His brothers in Christ. Okay, how do you know this? It says so. Okay, it says so. Good. Excellent. You know, let's keep it simple in our study of Scripture. We really don't have to contort and connive here to go, what is he, who is he talking to? How else does he reference them? Okay, they're holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling. Why are they brothers? Because of the sovereign call of God. Okay? We good? Good so far? All right. Excuse me. 
his point, 2 through 6. Emma, would you read 2 through 6, please? No funky names here, so you should be good. Who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Okay. If you've ever read through Hebrews, you will see that the writer of Hebrews in the first part of the book is showing the excellency of Christ over everything else. He's writing to Jewish brothers. Okay? We see over and over again in Hebrews just the, the Jewishness of it. And here he is showing that Christ is more excellent than Moses. Okay, how significant is that to a Jew? Pretty big. To the Jew, to, to a Jew in the time of Christ, you say Moses and what do they think of? Yeah. The law. I mean, he is the lawgiver. Okay? The writer of Hebrews points out that Jesus is more excellent uh, than, than Moses. Was Moses faithful? Yes. Yes. We, uh, we, we go, oh, well, there's, a, yeah, okay. We can, the chink in his armor. Yes, he died. But he was faithful. He was meek. He was humble before the Lord. Um, he was faithful. And he even recognizes that. Was faithful in all God's house. But how is Jesus more excellent than Moses? He's faithful over God's house as a son. Okay. Moses is a servant. Moses was a servant. Jesus is the son. Moses talks about the house. You know, you go, wow, that's a, that's a great house. But who's the guy who built it? Who's the guy who built the house? Okay, that's the one. You don't praise the house. It's a house. You praise the guy. Man, that's a great house. And that's what he's pointing out here. Uh, in, in verse 3, Jesus has been kind of worthy of more glory than Moses as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. So Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant. Verse 6, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Uh, but then he says, we are his house indeed. Who's he talking to? He's talking to these six. He says, we are faithful over his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Which implies what? Perseverance. I'm sorry? Perseverance. Yes. 
He says, if we do, does it imply that we can't? There's a possibility that we might not? Sure sounds that way, doesn't it? So we are the holy brothers who do share in this heavenly calling if what is true, if we hold fast our confidence. What's our confidence? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. What's our boast? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.31 says that very thing. Let him who boasts, boast in Christ. I mean, what part in your salvation do you have? Yeah. What's our hope? Jesus Christ. Christ. Sunday school answers. Jesus Christ. Okay. We good so far? So... Excellent question, because that is trip up number one. Hebrews, you know, if you, for a believer, if we just plow through Hebrews, there are going to be a number of passages that we go, whoa, whoa, and a lot of them are right here. There are three that kind of make your head spin and maybe a few more lesser ones in this very passage where it makes it sound like you can lose your salvation. Okay. Before I go any further, so God redeemed all of these people from Israel. Well, actually, no. Let me let me rephrase this. Let's let's call this the condemned of the world. Okay. God has the people of Canaan. They're they're cut off. They're they're going to die. For their wickedness. Okay, they don't... So that's, that's these guys. And they're going, fine, got no issue with that. Okay, they don't care. Egypt, Pharaoh, he doesn't care. God's justice, judgment is right. So he redeems a people. Did all of them go into the promised land? No. Why? Because their lack of faith. Their lack of faith because of unbelief. Excellent. We've talked about that already. Now, I'm pretty sure there were a bunch in there that weren't. Kor and Dathan, those guys, earth swallowed them up. Boom. Done. But they were in here. And I'm sure there were a bunch uh, from the generation that died out who still never repented. Ah, it's not fair. We don't get to go in the promised land. The, the grumblers and grousers for the re- remainder of their days. And then there were people who were probably grieved for the remainder of their days. Who, I would say, were saved. Okay? Um, Moses. Moses would be one of them. Okay? So, not all Israel was Israel. Do you agree? 
Okay? If, indeed, we hold fast. The implication is we don't hold fast. Okay? Just keep, let, just let that steep and stew here as, as we press on here. Um, so here is the quote from Psalm 95. Uh, verses 7 to 11. Katrina, can you do 7 to 11, please? Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They're always so, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Psalm, Psalm 95 says, I loathed that generation for 40 years. Crunch. Yeah. I, 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 for 40 years. I mean, they, they continued to provoke me. There was no repentance there. Okay? And so... Here, the Holy Spirit is exhorting believers to not what? Don't harden, don't harden your heart. Tell believers not to. I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. That doesn't sound like they're on the right side of the red line over there. Okay. So, okay, we're just, we're kind of, so the writer of Hebrews goes on here in 12, in verse 12. Uh, Arnold, what's 12 say? Take heed, brethren, lest there be any, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. ESV says, leading you to fall away from the living God. Take care who? Brothers. Brothers! That's all the guys on this side of the red line. Take care, brothers, because we're all in the church, right? You're all believers, right? Hopefully. <laughs> so when he's addressing brothers, and back in verse 1 of chapter 3, holy brothers. Holy brothers. You, you who share in a heavenly calling. So he's talking to the church. Yep. But not necessarily to believers. I mean, the implication here is that some within the church are not true believers. But how then can he call them holy brothers? Because we don't know. We don't know. Well, I don't know. No. On on this plane, on this on this plane, again, I, I talk about the, the light bulb, the I'm the I'm a save, I'm saved light bulb. Actually, light bulbs up here. 
Is it up here? Okay. Okay. The I'm Saved light bulb. We ain't got it. So I can't look at you and go, oh, she's saved. She's not. He's not either. She is. We can't see it. Are you part of the church? Yes, we're members of this church. You are. Is all Israel Israel? No. Okay. By implication, is all of the church the church? No. Ooh. Like somebody said to me one time that they cannot know for certain whether or not even I am a believer because they have not seen me finished. Now, oh. You know, all of this could really result in one big mountain of anxiety for the saint. That is not my intention. Okay, so let's, let's, con- let's continue here. Take care lest there be in any of you an evil an unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So again, the, the, the second trip up is that we think we can, we can lose our salvation. Okay? You think you could lose your salvation. I love John MacArthur's quote. He says, if you could lose your salvation, you would. You would. Because it, you, it's depending on you. Because you're, you're depending on you. But it sure sounds like it depends on me. Take care, brothers. Lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart leading you to fall away. Okay. <clears throat> Do you know anybody in Scripture who you go, oh, he's part of the, he's part of the body. He's part of the church who... Turned out not to be part of the body. Judas. There's that Judas guy. Any other examples in scripture? Jonah. Jonah. I mean, Jonah, he had to be. And then he grieved over the fact that Nineveh was saved. I don't know. Jonah. Jonah. Crazy. At the end of 2 Timothy, Paul writes about a bunch of guys who have gone out from him. Members of the body who have essentially walked away. First John chapter 2 and verse 19 perhaps gives the most vivid descriptor of what we're talking about here. If I can find it. Chapter 2 verse 19. He's talking about antichrists. Those who are opposed to Christ. Children is the last hour. I'll start in verse 18. As you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know it is the last hour. They went out from us. Like when you say they went out from us. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. So could you include the Pharisees in that? Uh, There are Pharisees who became believers. We're talking in the church here. Okay? 
So within the church, there are people, John is saying, that are going to leave. Because they were never part of us. But what about before they left? What would you have said? You bet. I go, yeah, they're in the church. They're over here. But then they left. They walked away. Or perhaps, you know, they're staying in the church, but their doctrine just starts going, and what it says. not great no it's not good but that takes us that takes us to this next section in uh, verses 13 through 16 elaine would you read 13 to 16 please we're in hebrews chapter 3 that's okay 13 through 16 yep but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin for if we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Oh, for, the, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? Okay, again, yeah. Once again, he's going, hey, who, who rebelled? I mean, it was those who were re- I'll say, I, I, I almost hesitate to use the word redeemed. I'll say rescued. I will say, how about I say they were enlightened. They saw the living God. They saw the redemption of the living God. And they went, I want, I want my leeks and onions. This isn't all it's cracked up to be trucking through the desert. So what are we to do in verse 13? Yeah. To whom? One another. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Come on. Come on. Come on. Really. I mean, this is, this is where we are coaching one another. Teammates on a team, come on, man, harder. Hit them harder. Keep going. Don't give up. There's still time on the clock. Keep going. Keep playing. Well, who are you to tell me to keep going? What are you, what, are you implying that I'm not going? Do you... I'm, oh, man. And we get prissy because somebody gets in our face. Who's trying to exhort us in Christ? Oh, here my nose. Go! Run! How important is this? 
This is life and death. This is damnation and glory. And this is, this is more dangerous, I would contend, than people who are absolutely, utterly, totally lost. They don't care. That's a tragedy. But this is dangerous because they think they are okay. Here I am every Sunday. The guy playing the guitar, surely he's saved, right? Not necessary. Did we not prophesy in your name? I mean, uh, that passage in Matthew 7. Did we not cast out demons in your name? How religious can you get? I never knew you. How concerned is the writer of Hebrews? Oh, brothers. You who share in the heavenly calling, you've heard, you've seen, you've come out. Hang on, keep going. Do not be hardened, that we not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another. Notice, for we have come to share if we hold our original confidence firm to the end. I, th- I love, I, Jacob's a bad example pretty much in everything. But he's a beautiful example in his wrestling with the angel. Man, he just puts his arms around him and says, dude, I am not letting you go until you bless me. And, and so, I mean, the, the songs we're going to sing today I cling to Christ. Man, I hang on to his feet. I got nothing. I got nothing. I bring nothing. He, he's the one who enlightened me. Hold our original confidence firm to the end. The warning is that even some who have heard are not Israel. John Calvin, in, in his Institutes, writes of a partial calling and, and where there are those who hear the word and go, oh, but the cares of this life will choke it away. They receive the word with gladness, but when the trials of life come, they wither. They do not remain. I mean, this truth is pervasive throughout Scripture. Will the saint persevere? Yes. yes. Why? How? God's grace. God's grace. Because he promised it. Yeah. Never be 
nothing can snatch them out of my hand. How secure is that? I mean, if you are a believer, how secure are you? Very secure. Nothing can snatch you out of it. And, and Paul, oh, neither height nor depth, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Is that true? Absolutely. If you're a believer, if you are redeemed, I would, I would contend, Arnold, it may even appear that he died in Christ. And come the judgment, Jesus is going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Yes. Also true that you can be a believer and then just slowly. I mean, you believer and you confess and you've been doing it and then you slowly fall away. Let me. I lost my blue marker. Where's my blue marker? three are God's elect. God chose them from before the foundation of the world. Why? His grace, his goodness. Some he is going to reveal the truth to. They're going to go, yep, 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 and nope, they're not. There will be a hardness of their heart and an unwillingness of their mind bow the knee. There will be a lot that is superficial, but their heart will remain hard. Let's continue on here in this. Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses and with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands. How do you know that the promise of entering his rest, saint, still stands? We haven't been rested. Okay. We haven't been still you are still breathing. He's saying... Hey, because you still have breath in your lungs, the promise still stands. And he, but he, he goes on. Let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. There's a certainty, a surety. He's, a, he's saying that right there in verse 3. We who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. 
although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken. I love that. He has somewhere spoken. I don't remember where. Uh, of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If Joshua did not give them rest, God would not have spoken of another day. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Okay? Verse 11. Strive. Holy brothers who share in this holy calling, therefore let us strive. Strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. How is God going to persevere his saints? How will God... By the exhortation of the body. To do what? Keep on. Fight the good fight. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Over and over again. Scripture, 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 scripture. The author and finisher. And finisher. But who do we have to fix our eyes on? Yeah. If we don't fix our eyes on him, where are we going to fix our eyes? Squirrel. Squirrel. So while we have breath, chapter 4, verse 1, you know, we are to fear. We are to strive. Do I strive going, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I'm, I hope I... If I have that anxiety, what's wrong? I don't. Where is my trust? Me. Me. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. No. I'm, I'm, oh man, I'm going to be one of those guys going, hey God, God, did I not? I got this list, man. Look what I did. So what matters? What's the Sunday school answer? Jesus, that's what matters. That's what matters. He's, he's my all in all. He's my hope. He's my confidence. He's my boasting. That, with that vision, I will have that thing that God requires, which is a humble and contrite heart. We talked about this yesterday in, uh, in our men's group. Um, what if I try to be humble? Oh man, I'm prideful, so therefore I'm going to be humble. I'm going to, I'm going to be humble. Oh, this. Yeah, as soon as I go, I was humble today. You're prideful in your humility. 
You're just swirling down the toilet. Just, yeah. It's self-defeating. I can't. You know, okay, today I'm going to go in and I'm going to worship God well. You know, I'm looking at the wrong thing. I'm looking at the wrong thing. What, what do I have to bring to God? Yeah, I, I, got, I got nothing. So how about we just go enjoy God? We just go and, and fix our eyes on Jesus and abide in him. And, and like Mary, you know, oh, let me sit at your feet and listen. Martha's going. You know, she's washing dishes going, why isn't she? I'm working here. And, and Mary's just sitting with Jesus. And her eyes are on her. What if she'd been doing the dishes, delighted to do the dishes, and casting an ear toward Christ, and thrilled that her little sister could, I have the opportunity to clean the dishes so she can sit there and hear the master and I can still catch words. What a beautiful thing. That would have been. So as we, as we come to these passages that oftentimes will make it seem like we can lose our salvation. All by themselves, if we just plow through, we go, ooh, ooh, what about? Well, we can go back to the Exodus and see that... First of all, there was a redeemed people on this side of the red line, but not all of the redeemed people were part of Israel. Wouldn't it be better, like you said earlier, to say there were a rescued people, but not all yeah, of the rescued redeemed, people yeah. were redeemed? Yeah. They were rescued out of, and they saw the majesty and the magnitude of God, but not all of them entered into his final rest. Okay, and so again, analogies are not perfect, so we have to hear them where they are. That doesn't mean that all who died in the wilderness died apart from God, because we know that Moses did. So there were, Aaron did, Miriam did, and we believe that they, we will see them in heaven. So we do believe that there are redeemed who died in the wilderness. But there were many, 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 many who died, rescued, and lost as a goose. And there are many, many, many in the church today, in good churches, next door and up the street and Grace and Fairway and quite possibly, quite probably even here who have heard the word and are good, but they're not. And so we together, come on, let us go. Let us worship. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us exhort one another to holiness. Let us go, hey, what are you doing? What are you thinking? When we see our brothers and sisters, come back. Come in. Come into the body. 
be in the body that we might exhort one another while it is called today. Strive, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. In Christ, I can have great joy, great joy, great peace, great confidence. Christ, Christ. If, I, if my eyes start coming this way, go get them off. Get, you know, that's, that is a satanic thing. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Enjoy your God and Savior and how he has redeemed you in him. Him alone. Next week, we'll get back and we'll start looking at the Ten Commandments. Any thoughts? Closing thoughts.